I felt like I had just been ripped out of my own body and placed back in, in a complete clusterfuck of like jumbled me. It was uh, like a parasite in a way, like an alien had invaded my body and my mind and my thoughts and, and nothing I recognized was me. Hello there. I'm Erica, and you are listening to my podcast. It's called Wait, You What? And it's a podcast where we do a double take on people's surprising stories of struggle, lived experience, and self-discovery. You're going to hear from all different types of people. Sometimes it might be a guest who shares their story with you about something really hard they've had to go through or something really exciting. Sometimes people teach you what they've had to learn and give you advice. But either way, it's about new perspectives and looking at the world in a more empowered and empathetic way. Thank you so much for all your reviews so far. It really makes me smile. Leave a review if you liked it and share it with someone. That's how podcasts get around best. So today we're talking to someone who experienced an entire personality change after a brain injury. Within a day, she was a different person with different handwriting, a different taste in music, and so much anger. So how do you navigate the same world when you're suddenly a completely different person? Cool, okay. Uh, My name is Carmen Burroughs. I live in Houston, Texas, USA. If I'm looking this way, it's because one of my animals is probably trying to do something. When you first talk to Carmen, you realise pretty quickly that she's smart but not in a way that makes you feel dumb. You know what I mean? She's warm and relatable. I have three of them like roaming around, so. Jet black hair, thinks before she talks. And it makes sense that she's smart because she's a scientist. She's a research manager for clinical trials and actually worked on the COVID vaccine. But what you might not know when you're talking to her is that... I have a brain injury. And the Carmen I'm talking to now isn't the Carmen she's always been. Can you describe um, Carmen before the brain injury? Um, I was definitely an extrovert and I guess the class clown or that's how I saw myself. I had a lot of friends and I feel like I got along with a lot of different people. I loved um, sports and singing and being involved. I was passionate. Like I think if there was one word to give myself, it would be passionate for anything and everything. So how did someone like that one day turn into someone who was angry at everything? It's like I was just the gasoline and all it took was a small spark to just light me up. And I had never felt anger like that ever. The first common, that's pre-brain injury common. Someone who is sporty and fun and passionate about life. The second common, that's post-brain injury Carmen, someone who she didn't feel like she even knew. To understand Carmen's brain injury, we've got to think of it like two separate injuries. The first one was at a soccer game in school. My first injury was when I was 17. During a soccer game, I was the goalkeeper. And I slid to get the ball. And the girl on the other team who was running towards the ball kicked me in the head. Um, But when she kicked me, I just, everything went black. Usually they'll jump over your body and then roll or something. And most people saying it it said it looked intentional. It's a toss up. I don't even know that girl. I don't know her name. I don't, haven't followed up with her. Haven't felt the desire to. Um, And 
I kind of was browning in and out after that. Um, I remember being asked what year it was. I answered the the questions wrong. I think I was like two years behind. So oh, let's take her to the ER. So they took her to the hospital and it happened to be the one she was interning at at the time. She kind of knew the nurses and the doctors there, but she remembers acting kind of strange towards them. Looking back now, um, I hadn't ever had alcohol at that time. But looking back now, after definitely having had alcohol, I acted exactly like how I would act when I was drunk. Like I was just talking to everyone and I started yelling code blue, which means I'm the patient's having a heart attack because I couldn't find my pulse. So I was like super loud, super in your face. They were probably really annoyed by me. They did a CT scan and said, okay, she had a localized brain bleed in her frontal lobe. It's not bleeding anymore. We're going to keep her for observation for I think like an hour and then she can go home and have her follow up with her pediatrician. I was 17 at the time. Like, I guess technically that's a pediatrician, but not even a neurologist, not even like none of that, just pediatrician and no sports for six weeks. And that was that. Hearing that confidence from the doctors, Carmen went home and kept living life pretty much as normal. But then she started to notice some things about herself that weren't there before the soccer game. Um, I was really sensitive to light and sound, um, and it was really easy for me to get overwhelmed. I also had a stutter. I don't know how how any of those things didn't, like, alarm people listening to me um, to be like, oh, this is a problem. And I remember telling my pediatrician, like, I'm struggling with anything loud. Like, I get overwhelmed very easily, overstimulated. I have a stutter. And I remember my pediatrician, he was like, okay, well, you're good to play soccer now. I was like, oh, perfect. And, but I just wanted to play soccer. Like I wanted to go play soccer in college. So to me, like, I didn't care as long as I could continue playing. So in my mind, like there were no issues at all. Like that was just all temporary. Like I was young, it was going to go away. So while from the first injury, Carmen did experience some changes, these weren't the long-term devastating changes that we're going to talk about today. Those came from the second brain injury a couple years later. It wasn't until my, uh, I guess, my follow-up injury um, about three or four years later when the scar tissue that had formed from that initial injury, it ruptured. The thing that kicked this next sequence of events into motion was something seemingly really small. Carmen was getting in her friend's car and she just hit her head on the car door. I had a seizure in the back of a car that I had hit my head on. And um, my friends rushed me to the hospital and my doctor there was like, okay, well, we're going to do some tests. We're going to figure out what's going on. I told her that I'd had a brain injury um, a few years prior. And I remember after that um, immediately just feeling, I think vulnerable is the only, is the best word. But then over the next few hours, something huge started to change inside of Carmen. I just... I felt like I had just been ripped out of my own body and and placed back in in a complete clusterfuck of like jumbled me. And just like that, Carmen didn't recognize herself. She felt like she was completely different. I it was uh, like a parasite in a way, like an alien had invaded my body and my mind and my thoughts and and nothing I recognized was me. Like I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like I thought like myself. Um, I felt like I had genuinely just gone through a personality change in a matter of a day, and it was horrifying. So what was going on inside Carmen's brain? Well, her frontal lobe, the part that she damaged in her first injury, had once again been damaged. Your frontal lobe is known for 
being what separates you from the monkeys is what the, the quote is. It encompasses your personality, your memories, your everything that makes us, I guess it's like the soul of the brain. Um, and so whenever you have an injury to that, you've totally messed up the neural connections that are occurring there. You've, um, I had scar tissue formation, so there wasn't as much blood flow into that area. And what happened because of this is that Carmen retained all of her instincts and her deeply rooted patterns, but she lost a lot of defining characteristics, but also developed new ones. My phrase has always been since then, like, don't fuck with the brain and don't fuck with the liver and like, and don't fuck with your back. Like, those are like the three, like, body parts where I'm like, um, once you've done something, like, it's going to take a lot of work to fix it. So you spoke about pre-brain injury karma as being goody two-shoes, kind of a class clown at some points. How then would you describe post-injury karma? <laughs> the exact opposite. I was introverted, antisocial, um, shy, anxious, anxious. Oh my gosh. Um, I had social anxiety. I had, I developed body dysmorphia, epilepsy, narcolepsy, like all of these things. It just was a domino effect, a snowball effect of new things coming out of the woodworks that never, I just never felt like I had a, I could catch up and have a break and and feel like happy and comfortable. Some of the personality changes were more specific and more immediate than others, such as her music taste. Carmen really loved dubstep before the injury, but afterwards it was like she heard things differently. There were other differences too. My sense of humour, stuff like my handwriting, um, how I learned was a big thing. Um, I had my worst injury, my second injury, right before I got into vet school. Being a vet was a lifelong dream for Carmen. She couldn't wait to get to vet school, but when she got there, it wasn't easy. It only took a year until I got kicked out because I had no idea um, how to study, how to learn. I used to have an amazing memory. I now have uh, a lot of issues with, uh, I have an auditory disorder, Um, a lot of different issues with uh, visualizing things. But out of everything, the biggest thing Carmen noticed about her new personality was her emotional regulation. I had, I no longer felt like I had a spectrum of emotions. I had an on and off switch and it took a lot of energy to flip anything on, to feel joy, to feel passion, to feel um, excitement that I just only had one on and off switch that worked pretty well. Um, and that was my, I guess, anger, my, the anger that evolved out of that injury was awful. And it wasn't anger towards the injury. Like I, um, I'm very much a believer of like, it's happened. I can't dwell on the past. I'd been angry before when I was younger. I think everyone experiences anger at some point, but to like be of anger, like to personify it was horrifying. And I think that that's a really common thing with brain injuries is to have such severe um, emotional swings to where it, you don't enjoy the little ones and you're stuck with the big ones. I I like feeling that anger all the time. is just, it it is the fastest way to kill, kill yourself, kill your personality. Definitely. What are some examples of how this anger manifested in your life 
in times alone or in relationships or in work or anywhere? I, I did my best to internalize it. And when I couldn't, I just was angry at the people I was closest to. Uh, a majority of the time, probably 95% of the time, I internalized it. But it's not like I successfully would internalize it. It's not like I would just internalize it, digest it, get it out, like through, you know, mediation, medication, whatever. It, it just turned into me being angry at myself. It's crazy to think that you're experiencing this whole new inside world and there's so much going on inside of you. But um, yeah, as you said, maybe you're not necessarily reflecting that to people in everyday interactions. You can't really describe, I can still barely describe that feeling, you know? And so it's, how am I supposed to tell someone, Hey, like, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I can hear voices, but not hear voices. Cause it's like, when you have a whole other you, you know, let's say it's just something small. Like if you're ordering a soda, like, Oh, okay. I want a Coke. And then in your head, you're like, Oh, I normally get Dr. Pepper. And it's kind of like, well, what the fuck? Like yourself is fighting with yourself. It, I felt like no one was helpful when it came to really figuring this out. What were some of the relationships in your life that were most impacted the people around you? Definitely my parents. Um, I think that one of the hardest things for them was that they weren't prepared either. And I think that when one person has a brain injury, everyone they love suffers because, um, you know, it's, you're, you, you're mourning the loss of that person. My parents trying to deal with it. I think that they weren't ready. I don't think anyone would be ready. Eventually when my anger got really bad and my, like, I just lashed out constantly. There was this, it's kind of like my, my parents were, I guess, reserving loving me in a way waiting until the old me came back it was kind of like okay well we don't know who this is we're gonna just wait till the old you comes back I don't they didn't intentionally do it like that like I they didn't intentionally reserve love obviously they did love me but not in a not in the same way that I think they would have without an injury and they just kept waiting for years and years and years and I just remember having to be like this is, this is it. <laughs> like, this is who you're getting. Cause my mom just randomly asked me years later, like, so when are you going to be better? And I was like, what are you talking? I'm like, what do you mean get better? Like it it's, she'd never mourned the loss of her child, but she also never celebrated the birth of a new one. And I think that that was, that was hard for that relationship. I, I, I felt treated like a stranger in a way. For many years, Carmen's anger was eating her alive. And there was one night where she was watching TV that she realised something really had to change. Um, I remember watching a show, Killers of the 2000s or whatever, and it was about a football player. Um, they showed film of him uh, essentially mauling his wife to death, or uh, I can't remember if it was to death or until she was in the ICU. It was awful. I remember hearing that and thinking, okay, that makes sense. Like, I... I, I can see why he did that. And I was just horrified that that was my immediate thought. And it, again, it wasn't me justifying it, but it was me understanding having that amount of anger and being so mad that you just went red and blacked out 
at the very end of the episode, the host of the show mentioned the footballer had a brain injury. Carmen was shocked. They very uh, nonchalantly were like, oh, yeah, he had a brain injury and then just moved on. And I was like, that should have probably been talked about. Not that a brain injury ever justifies hurting someone, ever. But I just realized, like, I don't want to ever harm someone like that. And I, I am under the full belief that if I was a guy and I had more testosterone, I could have potentially hurt someone because that's how, that's how angry I was. And it, it makes me feel awful for the guys, especially the guy, anyone, but especially guys who experience brain injuries, because I think they're less likely to come forward and talk to someone about it, talk to someone about their emotions. And I think they're more likely to experience higher levels of anger and act on them. And it's, it, that's when I just realized like out of all of my problems, out of the stuttering, out of the like introvertness that came out of this, out of the antisocial tendencies, the anger had to be resolved because that that's again, like I'm just, I was just drinking my own poison at that point. Trying to get a diagnosis was really hard. Carmen went through a roller coaster of different doctors and neurologists. She got put on a bunch of different medications and got a bunch of different misdiagnoses. To this day, like I still am getting diagnosed with new things. I, I was just so frustrated to feel constantly referred to a new doctor, um, told there's not a problem. You know, like to me, it's crazy. Like I'm coming to a doctor saying that like, there's a problem. Like, I don't know what it is. I, you know, I don't know what tests need to be done, but I need your help. And then to be told like, well, we didn't find anything wrong. Like, okay. So what you should be saying is I don't know enough to help you, but I know someone who's smarter than me. None of my neurologists were like that at all. I, I know that there are people out there who would be seeking attention that way. That is a very expensive way to seek attention. Like that is, that is a frustrating way to, I could have, I could have sought out attention in a way more economically friendly way than, than that. But Carmen was determined and didn't give up. Finding a doctor that would listen to me was very important. Um, I remember going to one and just sitting down and she was like, okay, like what, what symptom bothers you the most? You know, like what, what do you want to treat first? And it was, it was so helpful to have someone want to look at the symptoms first because she could tell how frustrated I was with a mix with, with having like a mixture of diagnoses or like diagnosis, diagnoses, whatever the phrase, the term is. She could tell that putting a name on something at that point was not what I needed, but to start receiving treatment for what was bothering me. And I remember I was like, well, I'm, my anger is awful. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to prescribe you an antidepressant. And <laughs> I remember commenting something like, well, it just really like lowers my sex drive. And like, that really sucks. Uh, you know, it takes, it takes forever for me to get drunk or have an orgasm. And like, those are like now my few joys in life, <laughs> joys in life with this brain injury. And I remember she looked me in the face and was like, no one's going to want to have sex with you if you're angry. And I was like, damn. <laughs> she got you, man. Damn. <laughs> she did. Doc's fit and fire. That's good. I know. I was like, <laughs> write it up, Doc. Let's go. So, and I was like, that's true. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I started on Zoloft. And, and this was my, just my experience. To this day, I hail Zoloft as what saved my life. One morning, Carmen woke up and realized something had finally changed. 
I just remember waking up and not immediately just feeling a fire of like anger. Like it, it was like I woke up and I was just 10 million pounds lighter. And cause it's like every time I just, it, I wasn't angry at anything. I was just, I was just again, like the personification of anger. And so to wake up and not immediately feel that was just, I just bawled in my bed. Like, like I never, I had not felt that in years. What was that like? Was it relief that you felt? What, what made you cry when you woke up and didn't feel anger? I mean, just imagine like you are, you're, you're having to carry a hundred pound backpack your whole life. And like, uh, or not your whole life, but uh, for years. And then all of a sudden, just someone says like, hey, let's put that down. Like, and so you put it down and you're like, oh, it's, it's, you're literally like, you feel like you could float. It's the feeling of just having like something detoxed from you that was so miserable. I have to remind myself though, that I can't really get rid of anger um, it's kind of like depression, like it's, it always has the ability to come back. So it's important for me to like know when I'm starting to feel why, figuring out why I feel that way and making sure that I step away and not internalize it, but also not take it out on people. I'm still figuring out all those specifics, but I no longer wake up like, oh, fuck this. Like, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's nice. What are some ways that you've noticed being treated different as a female with a brain injury mental health care in general all around the world but especially america is so under researched and so misunderstood already and so then when you're factoring in a gender that is studied less it makes it even worse and i remember feeling so alone with my brain injury, like feeling that I was going through this trauma, uh, traumatic event. I needed someone who could, I guess, give me a warning and tell me how I was going to feel. Like I needed someone who, who could directly relate to what I was going through. And so I just remember Googling, um, female brain injuries. And this was in like 2016 or 17. And the top article was, it was titled something like uh, brain injuries. Can women get them too? And I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> what is this mess? Like, I, I'm just staring at this article. And so this is, that was the article that women with brain injuries was, were, were going to first. Like, obviously they were clicking in being like, okay, fuck off, fuck you. <laughs> like I'm going somewhere else. But the fact that that was the top article at that time, I Googled it again recently and it's not the top, but um, I think I remember still seeing it on like the first page of Google. I, it, it's astonishing. Another issue is that women, when it comes to emotions, it, it's like they're kind of just seen as one big hormonal mess that no one understands. <laughs> and like... A good example is birth control for, um, during clinical trials, uh, what we do is we collect, uh, what are called adverse events. So just anything where, uh, how you feel or what's going on with your body or anything is away from what's normal for you. And so women would be on the trials and they'd, you know, let's say they develop depression. They would go to the physician and say like, Hey, like I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling very sad. 
I'm more anxious or I'm whatever, whatever emotion they were feeling. And it would just be chalked up. It's like, Oh, well, you know, that, that, that's just, those are just feelings like whatever. And, and it wasn't being marked down as like an issue caused by the medication. Now, when you look at a lot of male birth control trials, you'll see that they don't typically get very far because the men develop depression, gain weight, like all of these different things. And it's like, oh, well, that's not normal for a man. <laughs> and I don't think, it's not like I think that they, I, I don't think birth control should be passed because men should suffer with women too. Like, no, how about no one, <laughs> no one suffers. And so I think that that, a similar issue with that kind of went into this brain injury thing where it was like, okay, well, the emotions you're dealing with, like, well, you're really stressed and you're going through a big part of your life. It's like, yeah, no shit. Of course I'm going through a big part of my life. Like that has become my life now. Like the emotions are the problem. Do you miss your old self? Oh yes, all the time. Like it's, I miss my old self a lot, but I, it's important for me to not just contribute everything to my brain injury because then to me, like that's lazy it's an excuse to like not strive to be better. I think I'm, I'm still struggling with a lot of those things now. I don't think there will ever be a time where I'm like, oh yeah, I conquered, I conquered all those things. Like it's, that's not the goal for a lot of, a lot of people because a lot of those things are going to be chronic. Um, I think that you can have depression chronically and then have times when you are less depressed and um, have it under control through whatever means, but that doesn't mean it's gone forever. It's kind of like a virus in a way, like it could just be dormant. And so I don't, I think that post me now, um, is a lot more accepting and patient and empathetic. What advice would you go back and give yourself throughout this process? I think the biggest one would be that I am not the personification of my injury it was really easy for me to have that injury and then kind of forever feel like I was the byproduct, like who I was, was the byproduct of that injury and that I was an injured person and not a person period who had a brain injury period. You know, like it, to me, like it, I was the walking version of a fucked up brain. It it, it was a way where I ended up dehumanizing myself. And when you take away that quality, you just, you never care about yourself. It's only recently that I actually feel like who I am is old me would have been proud of. Wait You What is written, recorded, produced, all of the things by me, Erica Mallett. This is the fourth episode now, so maybe you've listened to all four. Maybe this is your first one. Either way, go back and listen to the other ones if you haven't heard them. And man, I got some fire coming. I'm really keen to keep pumping these out. There's so many people to talk to in this world. Anyway, you can hit me up on Instagram if you like. Erica underscore mallet, double L, double T. And I'll talk to you very soon. Bye.